0: Razorback fans, welcome to the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson from Hogbeat.com. This is brought to you by the Rivals Network. Um, and of course, our great sponsors that we have, CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, great guys over there. They are in the running for NWA's best burger as always. So congrats to them. Hutch, we just wrapped up a successful signing day, and it feels like to me. Basically, the job is done. Um, They do have a little bit of room to work with, but I don't expect too much drama between now and, you know, the February signing period. So I'm a happy camper.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was just thrilled to to get through the, you know, that Wednesday of of early signing day with with no drama. I mean, you you always see drama. I mean, you saw Georgia lose a four-star Juco commit to Jackson State. Uh, You saw some other drama. I think LSU had a player flip to Alabama, things like that. You know, there was no. I think they
0: had more than one flip. Alabama Alabama was on a little bit of a revenge tour after (laughs) what happened last year do you remember that at the uh, LSU Alabama game last year LSU players ran up to the Alabama section where the Alabama recruits were for the game and told them to come to LSU so they have not forgotten that
1: (laughs) yeah that that that's not good that that you you don't taunt Alabama no matter who you are and it's yeah. that's, that's not a good, good plan, but I think yeah. LSU
0: took a recruit from Mississippi State as well. And then obviously Ole Miss had been doing that for a couple weeks now to Mississippi State. So rough, rough one for them, but it was so nice for us.
1: It was so nice. There was no Alex Collins mom running off with the letter of intent. So he couldn't sign on signing day. That was, that was before your time here in Arkansas, but it was, that was wild um, no, no flips, no nothing. I mean, it was very, very smooth. And, uh, yeah, when, when you're in our positions, you you learn to appreciate things like that.
0: Um, and one of the best parts was that, you know, I almost couldn't even keep up with the national letters of intent as they were coming in, because these days they just can sign, take a picture and send it in. And that's, you know, official, so by 8 30 yesterday morning, every single commit was in, and the two new additions that they got. Like Sam Pittman even said, Yeah, we knew what was happening. I had been contacted by a coach at Jones College to give me a heads up about the new defensive tackle uh, addition, Jalen Williams i think you know the weekend leading up to the week and then um camera ball he almost committed to arkansas in september for his dad's birthday and then ended up not doing it wanting to wait and there was a little bit of talk like i had been talking to the georgia tech uh recruiting analyst and he said that his family was still maybe a little bit iffy about sending him to arkansas because he'd never visited But in the end, you know, the SEC won out as it should. Uh, I don't think you should ever see um, Arkansas lose a guy to Georgia Tech unless he's like a a legacy or something like that. But um, very easy day where everything was done in the morning. And then we waited till 3 p.m. to talk to Sam Pittman. But he was very pleased with the class as well. Um, I think one of the biggest parts of this class and keeping it together you know, there were no decommitments. Landon Rogers, the quarterback from Parkview, he did uh, momentarily question his choice because they did go and get a second quarterback commit very shortly after he committed. So he was like, oh, do I want to go to a school with two quarterbacks? That is always a very valid question, but he ended up joining the class again. And I think the reason Um, On top of the relationship that the coaches build with the kids, because that's obviously very important, the biggest thing was they actually showed progress when they said they were going to be bringing change and progress. Um, If they hadn't won any SEC games this year, I do think there would have been decommitments. That's something that you can't quite uh, talk your way out of.
1: Exactly. I mean, we even saw it last year uh, with Chad Morris's class, the, the 2020 class, uh, before he was fired and everything, but there was losing and, and you saw guys jumping ship. Uh, you, you know, they were able to, you know, sell the 2019 group on, hey, come in here, immediate playing time, we're going to turn this thing around. And, but the 2020 group probably wanted to see a little bit of improvement. Didn't see that at all. Uh, and then uh, now uh, this this year's group, as you mentioned, if if they had gone 0-10 and, and been blown out in every game or whatever, like some people expected, yeah, I, I fully expect there would have been a lot of decommitments and you probably wouldn't have 23 guys signing in on the first day of the early signing period.
0: Sam Pittman also said that, um, you know, when they were doing their virtual in-home visits because, you know, they couldn't go – in home this year, uh, that, you know, none of the commits seemed like they were even really talking to other schools. So that's also really big because, you know, Texas A&M was talking to Louisiana offensive lineman, Devin Manuel. So everyone was always wondering how that was going. Um, but apparently, you know, no drama there. Um, I think Oklahoma was looking at AJ Green the running back a little bit later in the cycle I know Texas at one point was looking at Lucas Coley um, after they lost a a quarterback commit so there was opportunity for guys to look at some other programs like Lucas Coley in Texas obviously it is very tough for a, a kid from the Lone Star State to not take the Longhorn seriously but then you look at the situation there and you realize you know tom herman he might survive this off season but you know if you don't have a good season next year he's gone so we haven't even mentioned gus malzahn is gone at auburn and i i, I do not um relish this for kids because it is very hard for them when they lose their coach but like you think back at a, at a guy like Xavier capers he was the first commit in arkansas 22 2020 class, very, very tight with Justin Stepp, even after uh, he flipped to Auburn. Uh, You know, he said he loved Coach Stepp, but, you know, he he just wanted to go to Auburn. Now, you know, I mean, I guess if he had committed to Arkansas, then Chad Morris would have been gone. But, you know, it's just kind of crazy how things work out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I think it's always important for, for recruits to consider more than just, you know, the coach, and especially the position coach, because who knows, you know, how long a position coach or coordinator is going to be there, even if the head coach is on firm ground. And so you got to you got to factor in that. I mean, you want to go to a place where you actually feel like you could live for four years. And I think that's another advantage. Obviously, I'm biased because I've lived here my entire life, but Fayetteville in Northwest Arkansas is, is a great place to live. And I think kids can, you know, see that, obviously, that was a little bit harder this this class that you mentioned was weren't able to bring kids in on visits a lot of these kids that uh, signed have have never even been to Fayetteville uh, so that that's got to be you know more difficult for Arkansas but yeah I think that that helps whatever you you consider more than just the coach because you do feel bad I mean losing your your head coach especially these kids that, that at Auburn that signed yes on on Wednesday they don't even know who their coach is going to be and that has to be scary. I mean, who knows? They could bring in somebody that runs a completely different system that fits the, that doesn't fit their skill set. Uh, that would be. I mean, if if I was committed to Auburn, I'd probably be like, "Hang on, I, I want to wait until February and see how this plays out."
0: Yeah, Auburn's Auburn's quarterback commit Demetrius uh, Davis signee now. I mean, he was very high on the board for Kendall Bryles at one point, and I think he would have been a very nice fit. Um, he's really really good at North Shore High School down in Houston. Uh, but, you know, you make the t- decisions that you make, and I, I hope for him that whoever they're bringing in runs, you know, you know a dual-threat quarterback-type system because and that's that's, that's really his strong set.
1: They they could keep Kevin Steele and promote him as the head coach, and maybe they keep Chad Morris. Who knows? Arkansas fans could only uh,
0: hope. I, <laughs> yeah, Arkansas fans are definitely hoping for that. Um, back to all these signees. So they – Got 23, 22 high school and JUCO signings, and then the one transfer. So on um, late Tuesday afternoon, Trent Gordon from Penn State, a Houston native uh, from Manville High School, which is where Derek King and Kyle Trask used to play. Um, he decided to transfer uh, a few weeks back um, after only playing in a few games uh, for the Nittany Lions this past season and then playing like 190 something defensive snaps in 2019 at corner. They switched him to safety. I guess. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened there. I want to look more into it because I feel like we need to get a a better understanding of just how immediate of a contributor he could be because, you know, they took a guy like Levi Draper last year. They took Xavier Kelly, both guys who didn't play at their uh, previous schools Um, and then, came in and Xavier Kelly did contribute quite a bit um, as in a backup role, but obviously Draper got hurt. So I want to go and, and talk to those blue white illustrated guys that we have in the rivals network. Uh, but seems like, you know, he was a former four star and at corner where we saw towards the end of the season, you really need two solid corners and Arkansas maybe had one. So uh, a nice addition there. I was a little bit surprised by it. Um, I should have known that something was going down. It was too quiet, (laughs) but uh, we got it done. Um, And then on Wednesday, uh, they added the two defensive tackles, which were really huge to finish out the class with because they did have one defensive tackle, Solomon Wright. But admittedly, he is on the small side for an SEC defensive tackle. Uh, He's only like six foot Um, a big guy big strong guy but you know not the hulking lineman that you see in the SEC Uh, but he is quick so uh, he has that going for him but Cameron Ball is six foot five and almost 300 pounds and um, uh, Jalen Williams he is six three and already well over 300 so uh, it seems like two very good additions and then Solomon Wright is someone who can maybe find a role for himself uh, but they needed those and they still do need another pass rusher because they lost Quaylen McGee in that last class oh my god that might be why they're able to take a couple extra this class because Quaylen McGee and Keturah Wallace never made it to campus. I'll have to note that and like check it. I don't know. I don't.
1: Th- I think m- once you sign them, though, I think they count. Like that. That it, that takes away that initial counter. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't so, know. Who knows? It's for those inst-
0: listening, we don't <laughs> know how Arkansas still has one spot open, but they do, according to Sam Pittman. So they want to go after an edge rusher, or maybe an offensive lineman, and then they can count three scholarships forward to the 2022 class, which means if you only sign 25 initial counters for the 2022 class, they actually can only sign 22 if they take three this year. So they can go out and get three more from the transfer portal if they want, but then you have to remember that means they can't sign as many high school kids. And I think that's what a lot of these college coaches are going to start doing more regularly is saving spots at the end of the class because those guys can really be invaluable at the end of the day when the high school kids, even if you have a really good evaluation on them, they still not might not be ready to play right away.
1: And of course, it's important to note that by the time you're listening to this, there's a chance the NCAA has changed its rules uh, because I think it's it needs to happen. It's probably not going to happen that quickly, uh, but it, it does need to happen because uh, I think that surprises some people to hear that, these transfers you know like Trent Gordon from Penn State he has to count toward that 25 even though he's a transfer all these guys are considered what we call or what are called initial counters uh, and there's going to be an issue especially if you know the one-time transfer rule gets approved you're going to see a lot, probably a lot more transfers it's going they're going to flood the portal there's already I think I saw this the other day, like over 750 transfers, probably going to be over 1,000 relatively soon in the transfer portal. And there's only 130 FBS football teams and only 85 scholarships, which isn't usually the issue, but the issue is 25 initial counters. How are they all going to find a spot if, you know, Alabama goes out and signs 24 high school kids? They can only bring in one transfer unless they want to count it forward, but then you run into the problem the next year where they don't have enough spots. And so I, I think there's going to be some regulation uh, rule changes in the NCAA where maybe uh, if you have a player that, that grad transfers out, like he graduates early and still has eligibility left and then he transfers, then maybe you get an extra initial counter spot. Or if you get a guy who uh, leaves early for the NFL draft, that could maybe count as a an, an extra initial counter spot there, there's going to be some sort of relief there needs to be you would or think else <laughs> kids are gonna kids are gonna get screwed out of you know spots and everything so it, it it's gonna be tough
0: yeah we're already seeing it with baseball because of the the backlog that they've got going on uh, obviously most people listening know that I am the recruiting analyst on our site so um Hutch from someone who doesn't follow recruiting quite as closely, what did you think of the overall makeup of this class?
1: I think it was it was solid, especially given all the the circumstances of uh, you know one, you're you're trying to recruit to a program that was coming off back to back two and ten seasons, and two, you've got the pandemic that you're dealing with, and you couldn't have visits, you couldn't have evaluations and things like that. Um, but as far as the actual makeup, I mean, I, I really liked how they went into Oklahoma and got, I, I believe, six kids from Oklahoma, including hitting the Tulsa area is really hard. Uh, I feel like that could be an area that Arkansas uh, can go in there and, and cherry pick, you know, some really good athletes uh, and, and, you know, guys like, you know, A.J. Green come to mind. I mean, that guy is, can fly. And that, that probably he, he may be one of the recruits I'm most excited about personally just because of that speed. Uh, i'm anxious to see how that translates in the sec you know maybe even sooner rather than later uh, and obviously i would like to see them get some pass rushers uh, that was a glaring issue uh, again uh, this season i mean against alabama arkansas generated two pressures according to pro football focus two for an entire 60 minute game that is uh not good so uh I, I would have liked to see them get somebody uh, that you know could could be that, uh, but maybe they you know follow up and do that through the transfer portal like Sam Pittman uh, discussed. So, uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I feel like the the positions and the, the composition, and everything, it all pretty much makes sense. Uh, and I'm you know always kind of anxious to see how how they look once they get on campus, and maybe we can see them you know the early enrollees of how they look in in spring ball
0: as far as pass rushers go towards the end of the cycle they did offer a few new guys they offered an smu commit uh you know who obviously didn't have a ton of attention they offered a kid who ended up signing with kansas um they offered a a guy from a small private georgia high school who after arkansas found him a lot of schools uh ended up offering and he ended up at at auburn there were a lot of guys that they looked at throughout the cycle at defensive end and i'm sure they would have taken a few that were at the top of their board but i just don't think they were super sold and i think they would like someone who could come in and and help right away if they have their pick because they do have um, a number of younger guys already on the team who need time to develop so why bring in Another one, if you're not really sure about him and you, and you couldn't really evaluate on the road or anything like that. Um, and then another area that I'm sure some people looking at both the team and the composition of this class, you're looking at that linebacker spot. Uh, yeah. They only added two linebackers, uh, Marco Avant from, you know, in-state from Jonesboro. He's filled out. Uh, he, he was a little smaller uh, when they initially started recruiting him, but he looks good now as a senior. And then uh, Christopher Paul from Georgia, uh, really, he, he, he hits really, really hard, and he's 250 pounds. Um, Sam said he likes him as, you know, a classic Mike linebacker. Um, do I think either one will come in right away and make a splash? probably not, just erring on the side of what we have seen historically. Um, Bumper Pool was kind of, um, I guess, an anomaly, but he was also a four-star. Um, I think in this case, you got to get Grant Morgan back. That's that's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, one, you want Grant Morgan back. I mean, he played it at an all-SEC level semifinals for the Butkus. I mean, just truly tremendous year, but uh, for those guys to, be able to learn behind him would be would be great. You hope a guy like Levi Draper comes back healthy, and you know maybe if, if he's healthy, maybe he has a chance to to contribute next year, and that that would be huge. I think really you you really want those guys, and maybe one of the some of the the 2020 signees, you know maybe like a Keelan Burl or something to, you know develop and come along. But you also got to be concerned that you know a guy like Jackson Woodard, a true freshman walk on was playing ahead of him and you know to his credit you know the few snaps he got in there played pretty well uh you know according to pro football focus and everything but still you would like to see some of your scholarship guys develop and and be able to give you some some reps because you're right I I don't know if those two that they brought in you know this year are going to be able to contribute right away I don't know if there's a uh you know Dre Greenlaw or a a Scooter Harris in that group so it'll be interesting to see
0: Pittman didn't mention it yesterday when he was talking about you know final additions that they might make Uh, but I do think linebacker would be up there he said that they're going to try to get you know the best players that they can get um, just in general so if linebacker happens to be up there and it's someone that's gettable um, then I don't see why they wouldn't Try to elevate the position overall. Um, offensive line, they signed three Terry Wells, Devin Manuel, and Cole Carson. Based on Sam Pittman's comments, it didn't seem like he thinks any of those guys are going to be, you know, jumping in there right away and contributing, but he likes the potential of all three. He said uh, Devin Manuel, especially because of how raw he is but how athletic he is he thinks there's a a nice high ceiling uh, for him so uh, I would expect them to be going really hard after Myron Cunningham to come back for another year Uh, and then you hope maybe Noah Gatlin gets healthy again and and he can take over um, at the other tackle spot but Dalton Wagner I'm just I mean he seems like a great guy he really does but he Seems like he was like the biggest culprit on the offensive line this season.
1: Yeah, he struggled, um, and I think several of the like the offensive line as a whole uh, struggled throughout the year. Um, but yeah, you you know, hope that maybe they can find a transfer that that would be able to come in and, and provide some some help immediately. Uh, Arkansas doesn't exactly have you know a great history of of having impact transfers. You know, I'm trying to think. You know, Jake Rollerson. Was a, a transfer that they landed a few years back from Texas. That was a former four-star recruit. He was playing at guard. Really struggled uh, at Arkansas. Not very good. Uh, you know, some some JUCO offensive linemen has been very very hit and miss. Like, yeah, you've got Myron Cunningham, but then you also had Chiboise Um and so it, it's it's not. It, it's it's really hard to find that immediate help and so you really hope that the guys that they have that that got some playing time probably maybe before they were 100% ready uh, and that's something that Sam Pittman has said he likes to do is give those young guys reps maybe those guys can can benefit from that uh, you know another guy that could maybe come back that would help would be Ty Clary you know playing at his natural guard position compared to center I think he would be you know beneficial to the uh, the offensive line next year so uh, going to be interesting to see if they can find somebody in that transfer portal. I know there's a 4 four-star recruit that Sam Pittman recruited at, at Georgia. I can't remember his name, but he would be, a, I think, a, a solid addition, uh, even though he hadn't really played much at, at Georgia.
0: You have to assume anyone that they take as an addition on the offensive line has been evaluated pretty well because uh, you have Pittman and Davis – John Cooper was an offensive lineman as well. There's there's plenty of guys to uh, you know figure out whether they're able to contribute, um, but yeah, like you said, there hasn't been a, a very strong history of that um, so far. Skill positions that was something Sam P- Sam Pittman was pretty happy about um, yesterday. He praised Justin Step and Sam Carter for the work that they did. Um, Step continually offers just anyone you can think of but something he does very consistently is he finds his favorite guys early and he sticks with them so even if you know he's offered 65 wide receivers he's got a group of 10 that he's really focusing most of his energy on and I guess if you know one of the 10 kind of drops out then maybe someone else that he's growing a relationship with with will move in but He got two more four-stars in this class with the help of Scott Fountain, who was also recruiting Raheem Sanders with him. Um, That makes seven total since he's been in Arkansas, if you also include Jaqueline Crawford, the OU transfer and going off of his high school rating. So seven four-stars, that's a very solid performance in, in four cycles, and it's really, I guess, three cycles because the 28 one I don't really count that very much um it doesn't look great that you know TQ Jackson and Shamar Nash to this point you know haven't panned out so missed evaluations there I guess is what you would call it um but still seven four stars is more than any other assistant has done in that span of time here so really solid job by him uh and then Sam Carter. Not the star-studded class that you might hope for, but he is, you know, 29 years old, something like that. He was playing in college just a few years ago himself, so I think it'll take some time for him to establish himself because you do need a little bit of a resume with the four-star defensive backs and stuff like that. They want to see uh, that you have churned out some some good players, and I do think that the uh, increased stats from the DBs this year will help him a lot but um, for now he's just recruiting at a, at a strong level I would say uh, each of the guys he brought in I can't see why they can't contribute uh, he on Parker he's a quick cornerback Chase Lowry he plays both ways and is really athletic Um Jaden Johnson, the safety that they got from South Carolina after uh, Will Muschamp was fired. That was a really solid job because I didn't even know, but he had continued recruiting him the whole time that he was committed to South Carolina. So because of that, he was able to quickly flip him like two days after he decommitted. He was an Arkansas commit. So solid job there. And then of course, Trent Gordon was a former four-star. So I guess that's his first four-star edition, Um, but I like what the kids have to say about him they say he's really honest and uh, straightforward about how things are going to be and so I think that they respond well to that even though he doesn't quite have the resume yet
1: yeah I think both of those guys did a a really good job and I mean you mentioned with step you know he had the the TQ Jackson who's transferred out and and Shamar Nash hadn't uh, hadn't contributed at all Uh, but you know the thing about landing four stars is that you give yourself a better chance of finding somebody like a Traylon Burks or you know somebody who can and and will contribute you know that's why Alabama's so good is yeah they, they bring in 20 kids that are four or five star recruits not all 20 end up playing a bunch and starting I mean there are some guys that never get out of the third string or whatever but you have a better chance of the ones you know having a higher rate of them uh, being all SEC caliber players and things like that, so uh, that that's that's the key. And I mean, if if Step keeps on doing that, then he's going to always have really really good wide receivers. And I think at this point, he's kind of created a machine where kids see what he's his guys are doing on the field. And they're like, oh, I want to go play for this guy. And I think that's kind of what uh, Coach Carter is trying to build toward. Is hey. If I go out there and I see Monteric Brown and even, you know, Hudson Clark having three interceptions in a game, that's like, hey, if that guy can do it, I, I'm I'm way more talented than him. What could I do? And I think that would uh, kind of help kind of build toward landing more uh, higher ranked kids.
0: While we're on the subject, congrats to Justin, Step, and his wife, Brooke. They just had their second baby. He is just like you now. He is a girl dad. Um, so, congrats to them. Sam Pittman did mention yesterday that you know part of being a great recruiter is often these recruits they come first. If you're in a at a date with your your wife and a recruit calls you, you better go pick up that phone. Um, and uh, Brooke Step worked in recruiting before, you know, they got married and had their first kid. So I'm sure she understands how it all goes, um, and that might make it a little bit easier for them. But Congrats to them. Uh their first child Cortland is very very cute and I know we had someone make a joke that they, you know, he should have named his daughter Traylon. <laughs> Although I'm not sure uh that would have played off quite as well as the first one. Um they also added one more pass catcher, um Aaron Outley, tight end. We just haven't heard a lot about him this year because he you know, uh, Torres ACL, I believe it was. So he has been rehabbing this whole season and there's not a lot of excitement about him, but he is a really big tight end um, before he was injured. He looked really good at both blocking and catching passes. So I would hope, you know, maybe a year he needs to get into things, but by 2022, he should be able to help out. And hopefully Hudson Henry continues to elevate his game, even though he disappeared at the end of the year, unfortunately. Um, In-state class, not very strong this year, but they only offered five, and they got four of them. Uh, That was a big part of keeping this class down in the rankings, although where they are right now, 22, isn't bad. But any time you have in-state four stars, that helps so much. Uh, In the 2022 class, they have – uh, Quincy McAdoo, and Marion Harris, and then a few other guys that I think could really push up in the rankings. So, uh, a, a much better chance uh, to get a head start with in-state four stars next year.
1: Yeah, the in-state class is kind of, as a whole, has kind of taken a, a, a decrease. I mean, I, I keep track of all these guys that are from Arkansas that sign with, uh, you know, FBS programs, and I believe they're at eighteen right now. Uh, possibly 19, depending on what Marlon Crockett decides to do, uh, so, I mean, that that's that's the second year in a row that are, there's been fewer than 20 total FBS uh, recruits in, in Arkansas, and that's a really low number. Uh, usually, uh, in, in recent years, it's been uh, 22 to 25, you know, but then every once in a while, there's that year where it shoots up. I mean, 2019, just recently, you know, had had Traylon Burks, you know, as the you know high, as the kind of the, the star of the class. I, mean, I think they also had Stacy Stacy Wilkins who went to Oklahoma and uh, some other guys that that were really highly recruited and highly rated uh, that went to uh, you know other you know Power Five programs. So when when you get those years and you capitalize on them by by getting a majority of them, then that that's when you see Arkansas maybe shoot up in the rankings a little
0: bit. So Drayden Norwood from Northside, he ended up at Texas A&M, so we will see him again, uh, no doubt. And then a offensive lineman from Conway who didn't have a whole lot of recruiting attention. um, He ended up signing with Ole Miss. So two in-state guys, I'm sure we'll see again. And then the rest, you know, there was a smattering to Arkansas State, UCA, uh, Kansas, UCF.
1: couple of kids went to Kansas, Colorado, um, yeah, Purdue, Colorado, yeah, Arkansas State, to my knowledge right now, has only landed one in-state kid, and so that kind of tells Uh, you right there, uh, generally, if, if, if Arkansas State and Arkansas both kind of have low numbers of in-state kids, that, that's usually a pretty good indicator of kind of the quality of just the, the year of, of recruits,
0: and they did just, you know, hire a new head coach, so I, I, Maybe once Butch Jones gets acclimated, he'll start bringing in more in-state guys. But um, Hutch, we are, we are about six, nope, four days away, something like that, from Arkansas knowing if, when, where they will play in a bowl game. We do know that Arkansas wants to play in a bowl game. Sam Pittman said that he wants the 15 practices. I think I had Eric Sullivan. Does he still work in radio? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. He tweeted at me. He said that, no, the kids the kids definitely want to go home. I'm like, I don't know about that. But whatever. No, I think they want to play. They've had a really good season, and then it totally dropped off at the end. So I think they would want to go out on a high note and, and send the seniors out, the ones who aren't going to come back, um, on a high note. So we'll see where they go. What are What are the options right now that you know of?
1: Well, I think everything, you know, outside of the college football playoff and New Year's Six Bowls are on the table. Um, And really it's, it's, it seems like, you know, and this is what Sam Pittman even said that it's probably going to be more local. So you don't have to, you know, make long trips uh, for the team. Fans aren't as big of a deal this year because attendance, wherever it is, is is not going to be at uh, capacity uh, so, I mean, you could see the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. That's the one that makes the most sense, you know, just geographically. Uh, that's kind of the one I'm rooting for. I've got some family uh, that's not too far from that area that I could stay with. So that, that makes sense for me. Uh, the uh, Armed Forces Bowl uh, is a bowl that doesn't typically have an SEC tie-in, but this year it kind of it replaced the Las Vegas Bowl, and it's in Fort Worth at TCU Stadium. Uh, that would be an easy trip. Uh, those two are like the the two closest, and then two that are almost equally far uh, uh, far away from Arkansas or from Fayetteville are the uh, Texas Bowl down in Houston, down in your neck of the woods, and the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Uh, both of those would be uh, not too surprising for me. I know a bowl that some Arkansas fans have mentioned is the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. However, that bowl no longer is affiliated to the sec that happens uh, this is the first year that it's not affiliated so i think those four bowls the liberty the armed forces the the texas and the music city bowls are probably the most likely ones to happen uh, for arkansas
0: the tough question that i don't think anyone can answer right now is what does felipe franks do you know does he want to play in a bowl game he's already put a about as good of a season as he could have out on tape. Um, I don't think many would blame him if he didn't play and maybe even people want to see K.J. Jefferson lead the team in a bowl game. So very interesting there. And and I guess we'll see once they start practicing. Well, we won't see, but we might actually get some information out of someone who will tell us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think it was really telling in the Alabama game when Arkansas was getting its butt kicked. Uh, fourth quarter, KJ's hurt. You know, you think, oh, we're finally going to get to see Malik Hornsby. Well, nope, here comes Felipe Franks. Despite having all the injuries and being banged up and, and getting hit over and over again, uh, he still went out there and played. And I think that uh, is very admirable and i think is kind of telling like hey if he's willing to go back out there in the fourth quarter of a blowout against alabama why wouldn't he want to maybe play in a bowl game and you know maybe go out you know in his career with a win
0: i'd like to see it i just don't think that the alabama game should be a game that anyone ends their collegiate career on right like that's just kind of depressing
1: Ending your career with a blowout is really not fun. And I can speak from experience. My high school career ended with a just absolute massacre of a loss. And it it was really big. It was a really big bummer.
0: (laughs) You know, I think my soccer team did too. Oh, (laughs) I guess it it can only end one of three ways. (laughs) Um, You know, the NCAA did announce yesterday that it's a very little complex announcement uh, transfers who have spent their year in residence here at Arkansas, so they had to have been here for the fall semester, can now immediately start playing for their teams. I'm not a hundred percent sure it applies to football, but if it does, the Razorbacks will get one more wide receiver to use, Jaquelin Crawford, who I would be very excited to see in a bowl game. I mean There's no reason why he couldn't step in and play. You know, he's been practicing with the team the whole time. He should have the offense down. He's really quick, a a slot guy, so I'm not sure exactly what they'd do with Traylon Burks. But if he was able to participate, I would think that's a, a huge addition on game day.
1: That would be awesome. I mean, because he – I, I haven't seen enough of him to know this, but I've always kind of felt he was, he's kind of in the Davion Warren mold, where he's not huge, but he's very fast, uh, plays the slot, as you mentioned. I think they would make it work. I mean, you can put Traylon Burks wherever. I mean, line him up in the backfield, line him up outside, line him up in the slot, wherever. Line him up at tight end, he'll produce. So uh, – I, but I would like to see Crawford. I think that would be really interesting. It would be another angle of a, a bowl game because, I mean – you're really not super excited about playing in the armed forces bowl or even the Liberty bowl or something like that. You, you want to see things like you mentioned a little bit with Felipe Franks. A lot of people probably want to see KJ Jefferson, see what he can do. You know, we got a taste of it against Missouri. What can he do? What can maybe some of these other young guys do if if you can get guys back from injury, you know, what, what would they look like? So uh, I think that would just be another angle to, to make, bowl games exciting and and, i mean it just it makes too much sense for the ncaa to allow it for football uh the ncaa notoriously does not make the most common sense decisions so i guess we'll have to wait and see
0: the only big piece of news from football this week because you know they haven't been practicing they'll get back at it uh today uh Chboyzi who he mentioned earlier entered the transfer portal. He is the first one um since I guess the regular season ended. He was a, a Juco signee from uh Maryland, I believe, didn't play in 2019 and then he decided to opt out of 2020. So it was kind of riding on the wall. He is a senior, so regardless of what he was going to do, it didn't really impact uh the roster um I saw he tweeted out at uh Jackson State yesterday after he announced that he was transferring so I'm trying to get Dion Sanders attention. I mean wherever you can play I, I I respect that um go go get it Boise. but uh that was the only piece of news this week but you know that transfer portal we're gonna be watching it now. this is when it it starts to heat up and there were several players who opted out you had um, Jordan Curtis, who most people at this point probably don't even remember. Um, who else? Uh,
1: you had uh, Shamar Nash. Yeah. Uh, that was probably the biggest name uh, that transferred out that or that opted out uh, just because he was a four-star recruit. Um, but then you also had, like, uh, the two corners, uh, Jarquez oh, yeah. Uh That would be a big – I mean, he, he struggled. I mean, I don't think anyone is going to argue that, but, I mean – he would be depth that you desperately needed this year. Yeah, when he and opted obviously... it out, a lot of
0: people, I think, were like, oh, no, don't. <laughs> but now it's really like, oh, man, well, why did you do them. that?
1: <laughs> same, same thing with Jerry Jacobs. But, of course, Jerry Jacobs has already said he's uh, going to go try the NFL, I, I guess, maybe. Uh, kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, go, go for it. Go for it, Jerry.
0: <laughs> Hutch, the Razorbacks are 6-0. and welcoming oral Roberts to town on Sunday. That is a 1 PM game should be able to catch it on sec network if I'm not mistaken. So congratulations, everybody don't have to watch it on sec network. Plus I know it makes a huge difference, (laughs) Uh, but Razorbacks just keep on rolling. Like nothing's stopping them. And it doesn't seem like from what I can tell from oral Roberts that uh, they're going to be put up much of a fight on Sunday.
1: No, I mean Missouri blew out Oral Roberts at the beginning of the season. Missouri's a, a pretty good team, as as we've come to find out. Uh, but kind of a, a pretty good comp, uh, kind of comparison there. I mean, they did they did give Oklahoma a decent game. Only lost by fourteen, I want to say. Uh, but I think that was more of a matter of uh, they they played really well in the second half. Uh, they were, I think, they were losing by like eighteen at halftime or whatever. So uh, that kind of tells you that they they can be okay um they they do have a, a guy in uh, max Abmus, i believe i don't know how you say his last name but the the guy can fill it up i mean he's averaging 20 points through the first six games and shooting almost 50 percent from three-point land with, a, with a, a high volume of shots uh so arkansas is going to have to really key in on him uh, another name that, that Arkansas fans might recognize is R.J. Glasper. He's an Arkansas kid. I want to say he played at Forest City, and he was a, one of those guys that played smaller high school ball but just absolutely lit up the scoreboard. I think he had a game where he scored like 73 points or something like that. Uh, came to Arkansas as a walk-on. He's a little bit smaller. I think he's 5'10", uh, but came to Arkansas as a walk-on, had to red shirt that year because of an injury. And then after that, he transferred Arkansas Tech down to D2 and was a prolific scorer for the Wonder Boys. And, uh, but uh, I guess after three years there, he decided he wanted another crack at Division I. Uh, grad transferred Oral Roberts, and now he's going to get a chance to, to finally play at Bud Walton Arena.
0: Uh, you watched the UCA game. Razorbacks won by 25 points. So, you know, a, a historic game with a, a not so. Special ending, uh, but what were your takeaways from that game?
1: Well, the, the final score is a little bit deceptive. It was actually a pretty good game, pretty competitive. UCA was really scrappy. Uh, they they hit some really tough shots to to stay in it. They actually led by ten in the first half, uh, and and I think it was only it was single digits maybe at halftime. Uh, Arkansas, it was it was a relatively close game throughout the first half of the second half. But then down the stretch, Arkansas just, just pulled away. They were, they were just too much. And so uh, it, was, it was good to see uh, Connor Vanover play as much as he did. I mean, I can't remember exactly how many play, minutes he played, but I just remember looking at the minutes going, wow, he, he played a lot. And that's significant because UCA is a, a fast-paced team. It's not like the North Texas game where he played a ton of minutes because North Texas played at a you know, snail's pace. UCA likes to get up and down the floor, and Connor Vanover more than held his own, so really good sign for, you know, maybe SEC play when it gets here.
0: Yeah, he's averaging over 20 minutes a game. That's that's definitely more than what we expected. I know preseason, we were wondering, like, how much, you know, conditioning has he had because he had a, a flu or something similar leading up to or during their, you know, fall camp, so really good to see him and you know, he's, he's getting national attention, I think, because his skill set is so unique. They put out a very funny video. I know you enjoyed it. Well, what's that? Tropic, Tropic something. What's that movie?
1: Semi-Pro. Oh, Semi-Pro. Uh, That's what... Yeah. With Will Ferrell, It was, it, that, that, if you haven't seen it, go check out Eric Musselman's Twitter account, because it, it's, it's pretty hilarious. Whoever spliced it up did a really good job too. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was beautiful.
0: The um the social media teams right now for both football and basketball are, are super solid. I have enjoyed everything coming out from there. Um, the signing day um, releases that they did on Twitter, I really liked how they, if you haven't seen them, uh, they had the kids recording like messages uh, for the fans about what they're bringing and just kind of getting everyone hyped up. And I think that's special. They're going to look back on that when they're seniors and see what they said. If they're still around here you know some other schools i saw uh, florida state did a uh, backyard football that uh, was amazing that was so cool um i never would have thought of, about that um i used to love backyard football i was so into that and baseball backyard pablo baseball. sanchez
1: oh my god that was that was the game man
0: <laughs> <sighs> um drew bledsoe couldn't lose with him <laughs> um All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the Hogbeat Hour. We're so glad to be back on the ESPN Arkansas Airwaves. As always, you can go to hogbeat.com anytime and try us out for 30 days free with code HAWGS30. Or right now, while supplies last, you can actually get free access until the late signing period, just so you don't miss anything that goes down with this class, because they do have you know, one spot and then up to four if they so choose to add some more players. So you can use code H-A-W-G-S-N-S-D. So Hogs NSD for signing day. And you can get access through, I believe, you know, beginning of February. So really, or yeah, I think that's it. February 1st, I think is the uh, late signing window. So get on Hogbeat. We have, you know, all the basketball content you could want right now. We have Eric Musselman coming up this afternoon. He will preview Oral Roberts for us and give us a better picture of what to expect from them on Sunday. Tune into that on Hogbeat. We'll have live coverage starting at 1 p.m. with the starting lineups, of course. So thanks, everybody. Join us not next week because it's Christmas. So You know, Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone out there and join us the week after that on the Hogbeat Hour.